0: Welcome to the Make That Money Honey podcast. I'm your host, Sandra Jo, and each week I will be bringing you a combination of interviews and solo episodes with industry leaders in finance, entrepreneurship, and women in business. As a former certified financial planner turned financial coach and entrepreneur, I will be sharing my knowledge on how to have better conversations about money within your marriage, relationships, and family dynamics. I will also be teaching fundamental financial literacy about all of the topics that you wish you learned in school. This podcast will get you to think outside the box, create more abundance in your life and improve your money mindset. So make sure to follow and tune in weekly. And it would mean the world to me if you shared these episodes with a friend and left me a five-star review. Welcome back for another episode of the Make That Money Honey podcast. I am so excited to interview today, April Likens. April is a board certified health coach, both trained at Duke Integrative Medicine and the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. Driven by her own previous experience hitting burnout, which led to a health collapse, she's fiercely passionate about helping women thrive inside and out. April's specialty is helping professional women and female entrepreneurs reduce stress, find balance, and feel the joy and freedom to walk in their purpose, passions, and callings. She lives in Virginia with her family, and when she's not working with clients, she enjoys writing and speaking on wellness topics, traveling, photography, and searching for the perfect matcha
1: latte. Welcome to the show, April! What a nice bio. Oh, thank you, Sandra. It's so good to uh, to be on and chatting with you today. And yes, and I, if you have, if anyone listening has a killer matcha latte recipe, like I'm always game for <laughs> for, for, for trying them out. I, I found love one recently in, last year. Well, last year in. Florida um, and Rosemary Beach and Alice Beach. And I walked two miles every day to get that one, but it had oh my lavender gosh. in it and it was amazing.
0: Oh, there's the secret sauce, the lavender.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. So we recently connected on LinkedIn, which is a platform that I have just completely ignored for the last three years since I left corporate. And then I feel like I opened Pandora's box a couple of weeks ago, like being like, why was I not spending more time on this platform? <laughs> so I'm so glad that we got connected through um, Adrienne Weimer, through one of her audio events. Yes. And yeah, it was such a pleasure to chat to you previous to um, the podcast. So thank you for coming on the show
1: today. Yeah, thank you. And LinkedIn is a hidden gem. It really is an amazing platform. I feel like it's like she always says, it's, it's kind of where Facebook was like 10 years ago. And so... Mm-hmm you show up at all on there, it's really great too. It's really easy to connect with other people and be seen and share your content.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it's amazing the difference of the caliber of people that are engaging on LinkedIn. You know, you don't get as oh, yeah. many of the, you don't get the keyboard warriors that are bashing uh-huh. each other and knocking each other's ideas. It's really more of that collaborative professional platform that people are there to learn, grow and share their ideas, uh-huh. you know, as opposed to sort of just knock each other down and, and banter back and forth like some of the other social platforms. Yes.
1: There's no trolling, which is so refreshing, right? There's no yes. like, neg- like negativity and drama and no trolling. So. If you're not on LinkedIn, get on there because it's refreshing.
0: (laughs) Totally, totally. So this is a topic that I am so interested in hearing about today because I myself have hit burnout in my business a couple of times, um, twice actually this year in 2022. So I would love to know about, and and this is an area that you specifically focus on. So Mm -hmm. how did you get into what you do and, and sort of what led you into this path?
1: It's a long story but the the clip notes are I hit I hit burnout in 2013 after my dad died. He um, he battled cancer for quite some time and um, and backing up, I really wasn't – prior to his diagnosis, like really wasn't living a super healthy lifestyle. And so that was like almost 20 years ago. And his his diagnosis came out of nowhere. So it was kind of left field. He seemed super healthy. And then randomly he gets this really um, devastating diagnosis of prostate cancer. And it was super aggressive. So it they gave him a 50-50 shot at 49, which was pretty incredible because most men don't even start testing for it until they're 50. And, and so obviously I was devastated. We were really close. Um, he was one of those kind of like dads, um, mentors, uh, coaches. I mean, just uh, we were really close. And so I really dove in at that time into kind of figuring out like what in the world is going on with all the, you know, the rise in diseases and all the things that we've been seeing in cancer over the last few decades aside from genetics? And the answer really was epigenetics. So he and I at the time really kind of revamped our lifestyles. And that's when I, I really dove into making some major healthy changes with him. And it was cool because looking back, like I really believed that that, um, Really helped to prolong his life, and I'm so grateful that I had those extra years with him. So I made all these healthy changes, and then he ends up passing away, and I ended up kind of reverting to my old bad habit of workaholism. And I and I see that a lot with um, clients, and I know that's part of my story. Is like life is hard, right? It's beautiful and amazing, and everything in between. But when hard things happen, it's really easy to want to kind of drown them out with other distractions. You know, so that could be workaholism. It could be, um, you know, watching Netflix nonstop. It could be shopping. I mean, drinking and eating too much. And there's a a ton of different ways that that we can... um, you know, we can distract ourselves from those feelings that we don't want to feel. And so mm-hmm. I was really burning the candle at both ends for a couple of years after he died. And so I was not doing any of the things that I had previously learned and had been implementing. And I was really just burning the candle at both ends, um, working till one, two o'clock in the morning. I'm a night owl, so I, I fought Same. that tendency. Yeah. <laughs> I,
0: know, I know that exact I, feeling. I, I feel
1: like I popped out of the womb like that. So, I mean, as. As long as I can remember, I've always been wired that way. I get like a second wind at like ten o'clock, and you know, my husband laughs. He's like, "You turn into a total weirdo," (laughs) and it's like, like, "I get all this energy." Oh my god, I can totally relate. (laughs) Yeah, he's like, "What the heck?" But that's a tangent. Um. And so I was working, you know, to one and two in the morning. I wasn't working out consistently. I was, like, skipping meals and just, like I said, just blinders on, just hitting hitting the grind, you know, focusing on work, 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 and banging things out. And, um, and I did that um, for so long, a couple years, until I, I finally hit burnout. And me hitting burnout led to a complete and total health collapse. And so that ended... Um, with me being almost bedridden for about a year and a half. And it took dozens of doctors and specialists to try to figure out what in the world was going on with me. And it took years to really pick up the pieces of that. And so, you know, looking back, I feel like, you know, the chronic stress cycle that I was in of of trying to cope with, you know, with things that I, you know, like I said, didn't want to feel through through that workaholism really kind of laid that foundation to to set me up for burnout, which, you know, weakened my immune system. And it was just a whole chain reaction of things.
0: Wow. Wow. Thank you for sharing that story and for being vulnerable with us. I know it can be, it can be, you know, it doesn't matter how many times you tell a story, especially when there's a big emotional attachment Mm -hmm. to it, it can feel hard and it can almost bring you back to that sometimes. And, um, you know, I, I, I really like what you said there about, understanding that you were using a coping mechanism such as work to mm-hmm. to sort of mask your feelings and so many people do this whether it's aimless instagram scrolling whether it's drinking to excess watching netflix and and you know smoking marijuana and just numbing out everyone has their form of numbing out and even marathon running, right? A lot mm-hmm. of people use fitness as their, as their means of just ignoring what's happening in their life and pushing themselves to some sort of limit. Uh, it's, it's such a common thing that a lot of people don't even recognize that when they think of you know, addiction or coping mechanisms, it's not just alcohol and drugs. It's yeah. whatever addiction you're using to avoid sitting in your feelings.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, you know, and workaholism is something that's been glorified for so many decades, right? You know, we've given it this kind of badge of honor mm-hmm. of, uh, you know, um, especially among women too. And you're finally starting to see this kind of tipping point where people are realizing like this is not healthy and it's not sustainable and and people want a different life for themselves.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I, I remember seeing that in corporate, there was very much that mentality. It's like, if you left at five o'clock, people would be staring at you Mm -hmm. like, is this person crazy? If you were not there before 8.30 or 9, you know, you were walking in late, even though you quote unquote weren't late. And it was always this sort of who's working the hardest, longest hours, competitive nature of who was getting the promotions and who was, you know, getting priority clients or whatever, just because of them being a workaholic. Whereas I think now we're, we are steering away from it, but I do see some of my close friends who work for, you know, the big four banks or, or Mm -hmm. other big institutions that are really in that hustle culture still. And it's just interesting to see how that's going to pivot as, as more and more people hit burnout
1: yeah I have uh, quite a few friends as well that wrestle with that and they're um you know CEOs or executives and close friends of mine and they but they've got that mentality of I've got to be first in the door and last out the door you know mm-hmm. because of my position but it's also taking its toll on them you know emotionally and physically
0: yeah yeah absolutely
1: so what are some of the things that
0: that you work with clients on to help them prevent this, especially if they are like in that hustle mentality where they might be working for one of these big organizations and they constantly feel like they need to prove themselves by being mm-hmm. first in and last out. What are some of the techniques or, or mindset shifts that they can use to, to prevent that?
1: That's a great question. And you know, honestly, everybody's different. So chronic stress and burnout shows up for everybody completely differently. And so there's really no one size fits all. So it kind of depends on where they're at and what they're experiencing. And so, um, it could be anywhere. Well, one of the things that I, that I always tell clients first and foremost is one of the most powerful things that you can do daily is really just ask yourself, check in with yourself just for 30 seconds, once or twice a day asking, you know, what do I need today to thrive? because there's, you know, we've really gotten away from listening to our bodies and being in our bodies. And, you know, the the body's always communicating with us, you know, sending s- signals and signs, much like the, the you know, the car um, dash, you know, dashboard lights, you know, can communicate when things are awry or something's low and it it alerts you and the body's always communicating, but we have just learned to tune that out. And so, You know, you can, you can push through things until, till finally, um, you know, it just, it becomes way too much. And so that's one of the first and foremost things I tell people, just check in. Because the cool thing is your body's gonna tell you. So, you know, if you were to ask yourself right now, like, and just give yourself that space, you know, 30 seconds, what do I need to thrive? You know, you, you will hear different things. It might be, you know, like you've been at the computer all day and like, I need, I want to get up. I really need to get up, stretch, that sort of thing. You might uh, feel like you're craving some sunlight and some fresh air and some vitamin D. You may be craving some connection It's like, wow, I haven't seen a real person, you know, outside of my house in a week. And, you know, I'd really love to set up a a coffee date with a girlfriend, you know, that sort of thing, too. And so all of those things are tied to your uh, physical um, and emotional health, you know, the mind body is it's all connected. And so, mm-hmm. that's a big one that I talk to people um, about regularly. It's um, setting those healthy boundaries too um, around yeah. work and figuring out you know what works for you. So figuring out what your non-negotiables are because everybody's different. And so, you know, that's when you're when you're not working, you know, unplugging and and not working and setting things in place that. Um, that work's not distracting you. So I was in Greensboro last weekend, um, with friends and I was talking to a close friend of mine who, um, manages a massive, uh, well-known large account. And she has been experiencing a lot of burnout, but she's been really struggling to unplug. And so we were just talking through some different strategies of what, what that might look like for her. And Mm so, um, you know, often it's turning off the notifications, you know, and so when you're, yeah. when you're walking away from your computer, it can be really frustrating for a lot of people to hear those dings and the notifications from email and Slack and all the stuff coming in yeah. and then you feel much like your cell phone does too. You know, mm-hmm. you feel really pulled to run back and check it. And so you can't really enjoy time away with that stuff, you know, dinging you constantly. So it's either turning it in, you know, on an airplane mode or do not disturb mode or in her case, she found that what worked for her, and I've had a few other clients that really love this too, is just keeping their earphones plugged in, you know, so mm-hmm. they, they work with those in typically. And, and if they leave them in and they can t- they can take their lunch break without feeling like, you know, they're the slave to the computer and they can never get away from it. You know, there's lots of other things to like um, communicating those boundaries. So letting people know, this is when I'm working. This is when I'm going to respond to you. And, um, And then sticking to those, you know, non-negotiables too. And so it's, I was talking to somebody else yesterday about that thing. It's like when we, when we respond quickly to people, you know, um, you know, as emails are coming in, it's twofold, you know, it's overstimulating and it's really stressful to be constantly putting out fires, right. And reacting because there's never emails, there's never, are never ending, right. There's never a shortage of, of notifications and things like that, but there's a big difference between being reactive and being, you know, strategic with that too. But when we constantly respond to everyone as soon as they're they're um, sending us something, it also further reinforces that where it's further training people that they can get us at all hours of the night, you know, and on the weekend and that sort of thing too. And so again, setting those healthy boundaries. Of course, there's lots of other things, making sure you're getting in movement. Um, You know, it doesn't necessarily have to be exercise daily, but some form of movement, even, you know, a light walk. In you know, in the middle of the day, can be wonderful for reducing your stress levels. Or in the evening, you get that fresh air and vitamin D. I have a lot of clients that love to listen to podcasts during that time, you know, to kind of unplug. And then others just enjoy mindful walking. And so that's where you just put away, you know, your devices. Um, maybe put your phone in airplane mode if you've got it on you, so it's not um, vibrating and, and dinging and that sort of thing. And just focusing on what's around you. So enjoying, Mm -hmm. you know, the the trees and the and the sunlight and the The birds chirping. Yeah. Totally. (laughs) And just focusing on um your senses. That can be super refreshing. Um, especially in the middle of a really, really busy day. Um and there's so many sleep is a big one that's that's one that I t- talk about usually pretty early on with clients because it's it's really the superpower to everything in your health but certainly with stress and burnout because it's it's just impossible for us to to cope and to show up and feel our best if we're exhausted and sleep plays a massive role in that and so making sure you're getting that quality 7 to 9 hours a night you know, most nights and, and aiming for that and being diligent about that can – that that change alone can be really incredible for people. I've seen massive shifts with people. I've had quite a few clients that have come in. You know, I work with a lot of high achievers and they – some of them come in and they're like, yeah, I'll sleep when I'm dead and that sort of thing. And I just kind of laugh and I'm like, we'll talk about that. <laughs> and uh, Like, well,
0: you're going to you be know, dead a
1: lot sooner than you think with that <laughs> attitude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, you know, it's um, – sleep's gotten a bad rap since um the industrial revolution it was actually revered before that time and then the revolution hit and then it suddenly was like an, a you know a bad thing you know it was like you're lazy if you sleep you snooze you lose we've all heard all these sayings right for decades since you were a kid um and it's but it's such a powerful way to recharge um, and the thing is the body's actually doing really incredible things in the middle of the night so you know, people think often that it's it's a waste of time you know they don't have time to to sleep but you can't afford not to really it's it's lowering your blood pressure you know it's lowering your cortisol levels which is linked to chronic stress it's categorizing memories in the middle of the night and wiping memories from the day that you don't need to you know to keep it's um, wiping proteins that are linked to cognitive diseases and decline I mean there's all these incredible things that the body's doing in the middle of the night and there's some areas of the brain during REM sleep that are more active than when you're actually awake. So it's it's an incredibly powerful time and something that is so crucial. And so I think for a lot of people, it's just shifting your mindset around seeing sle- sleep as a superpower and not this waste of time because it's a total game changer. And the one client that I was working with recently, he was one of those like, oh, I'll sleep and I'm dead kind of people. Um, but he was wrestling with a lot of other things and his blood pressure and um, – a, a, a variety of things but he's i challenged him to start tracking sleep and tracking the quality of a sleep you know so first it's you know it's aiming for those seven to nine hours a night but it's also figuring out what's your sweet spot you know where do you feel your best the next day at what number and everybody's gonna be different so some people like solid seven they feel great other people need more like eight eight and a half and that's totally fine um but he he started tracking, and through tracking, he he noticed like okay, on the days that I'm not getting quality sleep, like I feel like crap. Like um, my cravings are more like higher, so I'm eating all this junk yep. throughout the Tender. day. Yeah, I, more sugar. Yeah, the carbs, all the all the junk food kind of stuff. Like he's didn't feel like working out, all of that stuff. But the really interesting thing with him was, he um, through tracking it long term was able to figure out, and almost in real time, that his it drastically changed his blood pressure. So on the days that he got like, you know, five, six hours of sleep, his blood pressure was very elevated versus the days that he got that nine to seven to nine hours of sleep, which was really fascinating, you know, to see. Yeah,
0: that's such an important point. And I'm a firm believer in sleep. I love sleep. I nap all the time. If I don't get enough sleep at night, I really prioritize sleep as one of my main health practices. So I I get it. And it's funny, I'm actually like, I'm wearing an aura ring. Mm -hmm. And I recently started tracking my sleep for about the last two and a half months. And it's so interesting to me. It is so accurate. And so it gives such interesting information about your sleep patterns, how much deep sleep, how much light sleep and how much REM sleep you get. And then Mm -hmm. what your total sleep is, where your movement is and all of that. And I just find it so interesting because some days I'll wake up and I'm like, weird. I was in bed for eight hours last night, but I feel exhausted.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: then I'll look at my sleep thing and it was like, oh, you were awake 15 times in the night. And like, I don't remember being awake, but obviously my body had woken up and I wasn't getting enough quality sleep. And then I feel sluggish and have trouble concentrating oh. and need a nap in the afternoon to reset. And you know, it can really have an impact on your productivity, your ability to get things done, how you show up for clients, your partner, mm-hmm. your family, your kids, whatever, uh, because you then obviously become irritable. It's almost like you're hangry, you know, (laughs) but sleep deprived. So
1: a hundred percent. Yeah. We do not show up as our best selves when we are exhausted and tired for sure. We're hangry. We're hangry. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: There's gotta be, there's gotta be some sort of term that you can say for you know, feeling extra tired,
1: slangy. I don't know. Slangry. <laughs>
0: like, we'll have to make up our own word. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I really liked what you said there. I, I made a note while you were talking that you said, what do I need to do today to thrive? Mm-hmm. And, you know, you hear about all these success coaches and, and waking up is like, who do I want to show up as today? Who do I, you know, what do I want to do or what, but, but also I think your question about what do I need in order to thrive today mm-hmm. is a great reframe, a great question. It's not just who am I going to become, mm-hmm. but what do I what am I asking for from the universe in return or what well, you know, whatever whatever people believe in. And and that may be You might need a little bit of a slower day because it might be your time of the month if you're a woman, or you might need a little bit more sleep or a workout to release some physical energy if you're feeling frustrated about something, Uh, or an hour journaling session, you know, just to get things off your mind. And I think that one of the things that that sort of ties into setting those boundaries, which you mentioned are so important, is also the ability to say no. Mm Mm-hmm. A lot of people struggle, and I know myself personally, Mm -hmm. I struggle to say no, so I will find myself spreading myself too thin when I really need an evening to recharge, but I might have committed to going out for dinner or to doing an activity, helping a friend move or something like that when really I need to take that time to myself. And then when you consistently say yes to things that feel out of alignment with what Mm -hmm. you need to thrive, that's another indicator that you're leading yourself to burnout.
1: Yeah, it it really is, you know, and, and back to your point, you know, when you start listening to your body, you know, the body will communicate to you that what it needs. And so it it may be, Hey, I need some more water today. Like I'm super dehydrated, you know, and that sort of thing. So it's, it's really amazing. But the more you do that, the more it, it provides that buffer so that you aren't kind of caught off guard when you do have the dinner and you're like, Oh my gosh, I'm totally exhausted where you've been tuning into yourself kind of all along throughout the week. And it's kind of just gauging, how am I doing? You know, checking in with yourself and that too. But you're right. And I think, um, I think a lot of women, most women struggle with, with that. And I see that it's tied often to people pleasing, right? You know, we want to, to uh, show up for others. And we um, often want to be the go-to person and we want to do things for other people and to help and all the things. Um, And so, yeah, sometimes you can, you can get out of balance. And so it's important to really reassess your schedule, I think, weekly and just look at it. and It's like, does everything that's on my plate really need to be here? Because, Mm -hmm. you know, the reality is there's great things that could be on your schedule at any given moment, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's the right timing right now for your schedule based on everything else that's on there. And so just being strategic along with checking in with yourself really helps helps you to kind of um, map your week out and plan for those buffers and and really schedule in the downtime too, you know, and yeah. make sure you've got, you're taking your lunch, you know, you're taking some breaks, you're getting some fresh air and vitamin D, you're getting movement in, you know, and, and treating those things in the same way that, you know, you'd, you'd schedule in a doctor's appointment.
0: And I, I like what you said there about it it's important. It just might not be the right timing.
1: Mm-hmm. Because
0: we kind of a lot of people who use, you know, workaholism or or any other coping mechanism to basically ignore their feelings is uh, you know, overpacking their schedule yeah. because it's almost like this fear that time's running out. So we got to get everything in this week or next week. But it's like but who cares if we have to do this podcast interview in four weeks from now? Like there's no rush in life. Yeah. We're, not, we're not racing to a finish line. It's about when things fit in a, a logical order so that you can actually show up at 100% for each one of those things.
1: Yeah. And it's a marathon, not a sprint. And so another totally. thing I talk often with clients and with people too is just the power of pausing and rest and how it is really the antidote to burnout. And it's so crucial and it feels counterintuitive to, to high achievers, but, you know, it really allows for you that to have that space to recharge your batteries, you know, because we're not Teslas. We can't just, you know, plug in and, you know, and go 24-7. I mean, you've got to have that downtime, you know, and you've got to have rest, you know, to be able to sustain the workload and the things that you're doing too. And, and there's so many studies that have been coming out here recently in the last few years in the decade. Really talking about the power of connection Mm. and how um, how having joy and hobbies are so um, interconnected to our health and well being, but also social connection. It's a really Mm. strong indicator of um, not only our health and happiness, but our longevity too, as well.
0: And so it's it just gives you that
1: that ability to pause, you know and. And take a breather, and then you can come back to work um, more recharged. Even if it's ten minutes, you know, twenty minutes. It doesn't have to be like some, you know, a total like week long sabbatical. It's yeah. making sure you've got those buffers in place. Yeah, 15 daily. minute
0: walk outside mm-hmm. or something. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And and the social connection and hobbies was one that I realized was missing from my own life. Mm-hmm. I was I feel like I was just sort of working dog sleep. Like there was no real, you know, other, other thing that I was doing for pure enjoyment or for some other mental release. And so I recently started taking piano lessons and got a a piano and started going to a dance class and like, I'm terrible at dance. I look like a newborn chicken. And I started like, (laughs) I started going to these dance, these hip hop dance classes and they're going one direction. I'm going the other, they're putting their leg out. I'm putting my arm out. It's just like a total uncoordination but I have so much fun doing it and I've met such amazing women in this in this dance studio and like you know when you work from home and you're constantly on zoom calls every day and you're not used to that unsocial interaction because Mm -hmm. you were used to working corporate and whatnot you do miss that social outlet and you can become very lonely and very isolated Mm -hmm. if you're not participating in physical communication connection activities with other people, right? And and it's amazing how much that has an impact on your mental health.
1: It does, yeah. And it's I, I could geek out on you on so many different subjects. And first off, I'm sorry we don't live together because I I can't dance anymore either. So like I would be right there with you. We would be probably just laughing <laughs> hysterically so at each other. Yeah. And um and so it's just it's just crucial to find those things, but often, I mean, I would say like ninety nine percent of the time when I'm working with people that are you know beyond stressed and overwhelmed and burned out, they they are not making time for for fun and joy and connection and hobbies. And it, what's interesting is. Often, and I, I ask people all the time, you know, uh, adults, you know, and you ask any adult, like, what, well, you ask an adult, like, what do you like to do for fun? You know, and, and most people will kind of look at you like you have three heads. They're like, uh, I go to the gym. And I'm like, that's great, but that doesn't count. Like, that's no, good. That's productive. That's, yeah, that's self care. And that's, you know, that's taking care of yourself is great, but fun. What do you do for sheer like joy and, and fun? And they're like, I have no idea. And so, you know, but you ask a kid, you know, what, what do you do for fun? And like, they won't shut up. They, they rattle off like 50,000 things, you know, that they, that they love doing. And so that's something I think that we get, we get lose as we get older, that it's crucial to tap into. And if you're listening and you're like, oh my gosh, that's me. Like, I have no idea what I do for fun. Think about what you used to do for fun. You know, mm-hmm. when you were growing up, what did you like? Was it music? Maybe it was cr- art and creativity. Maybe, um, maybe horseback it was riding or skiing or dance. Yeah, yeah horseback totally. riding. There's a million different things. Painting. Yeah. I mean, there's so many different things, and so it's tapping tapping back into that those sort of things that that really light you up and and bring um, a spark to your life.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and it's so crucial because you know we fall into this it's sort of what came first the chicken or the egg right and mm-hmm. when people I, i'm i'm dealing with a couple people who are in burnout right now one person in particular and the, i had this exact conversation with her and said like what are you doing for fun right now and her response is well i can't really afford to be doing these things and this is the shift of finding ways to do if you if you are in a difficult financial position mm-hmm. finding ways to do things that are fun that might be free go to a pop up dance class where yeah. it's you know at a community center or something like that so that you're not finding excuses not to incorporate things into your life just because mm-hmm. of barriers like money because those are the things that are going to reset your brain that are that are going to have that positive impact that will have a flow on effect into your productivity which mm-hmm. will have a flow on effect into your ability to earn more money to then put more money in your bank account to then be able to afford more things it's like this big loop right it's all connected and yeah it's all connected and and we often will get in our own head around especially as an entrepreneur, and I know female entrepreneurs especially will will resonate with this, but we, we feel like we don't deserve to be doing anything other than work until we're in a place where we mm-hmm. feel that we can reasonably take a step back from our business. Mm-hmm. We want to be the janitor and the CEO all at the same time, and we're not allowing ourselves to take the evening off, to take a Sunday off. We feel like we need to always be working until we're at that next level. But then even at that next level, we're pushing to the next level, to the next level, as opposed to, wait a minute, this journey is meant to be enjoyable, even if it's challenging.
1: You sound like a a health coach. I love it. And and so (laughs) I think a lot of that I've seen with people, it it stems all the way back from like childhood, you know, right? So you get, you can get conditioned in childhood that, you know, you get rewarded, you know, if you're achieving and you're doing something. So if you're getting good grades, you're excelling at sports, you're excelling at music, whatever it is, you know, and you're getting all this... Positive um, feedback and recognition and that sort of thing. It, it it's easy to grow up feeling like I your worth is tied to um, striving and hustling and achieving. And if you're not doing those things, who are you? You mm-hmm. know, if you if you're not. And so it can really be powerfully tied to your identity. And like you said, especially when you're in the middle of building something. But in that building phase, it's hard, and it's all the more important to really make sure that you've got those those buffers in there so that you don't burn out. Oh, and I yeah. forgot the geeky thing that I was going to tell you, but you know, the cool thing about connection is that, you know, when you're, when you're actually with somebody, so like right now it's, it's, it's a second step up where, you know, we're on video and we can see each other and that's great. And you can see body language and all of that stuff. But when you're actually together with someone else, your bodies, like the energy fields overlap each other and you, you regulate each other's
0: Um, Vibrations. Yes. Well, (laughs) like
1: heart rate uh, variability and all of that, which is really interesting. And so, and again, it's all tied to that connection. But back to your point, there's so many creative ways that, you know, if you love drawing as a kid, I mean, there's a million like phenomenal, like you know, teachers on YouTube that you can totally. go on. So much and, free information yeah, out there. You just have and to find yeah.
0: it. Yeah. Or
1: music. If you don't, you know, can't afford lessons, but you've got an instrument. Yeah. I mean, you can go on YouTube and go on. There's lots of different resources to, you know, to learn how to play again. So yeah. it just requires a little creativity and, and making space for that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. I love how you said, learn how to play again. That's something that I'm, yeah, I've definitely tried to incorporate that just in the last couple of months. So, um, it's definitely, I I can resonate with that statement. So what are some of the signs that people can watch out for when it comes to like, how can they recognize if they are on the trajectory to burnout? Because they might already be there, but they might not sure if they're there and kind of feel like they're on that path.
1: Yeah, that's a really good question. So, like we said earlier, you know, it shows up for everybody differently. Um, the way the World Health Organization kind of classifies it as three, three dimensions, you know, so they, I guess one of the misconceptions that I'm hearing a lot right now with burnout is people feel like it's a syndrome and when reality you know they they term it as as an occupational phenomenon due to unmanaged stress and there's three dimensions that they mention the first one is exhaustion the second one is cynicism about your job or life in general and then the third is reduced performance but with a lot of people it does show up first with the exhaustion and then the other things kind of set into play to um some other huge things that i see with people sleeps a big one so when you're stressed often you don't sleep well you know you it's hard to fall asleep you know if you've got something a big interview the next day or you've got some something happening you know you toss and turn you're restless you wake back up in the middle of the night so sleeps a big one Chronic pain can be one, so it revs up inflammation, so you might notice um, you'll have pain in certain areas, and a lot of times stress for a lot of us shows up in one area, so you might find that you're, you're noticing a lot of tension and neck pain could be a signal. Um, headaches and migraines are another big one that, you know, if those are happening regularly, it's probably an indication that you're, you're under too much stress. Um, if you're eating more, you're, you're experiencing, you know, those uncontrollable cravings, you know, for the salty, the sugary, the high fat stuff, you know, it's never kale and carrots, <laughs> you know, fortunately when we're stressed, it's uh pizza and, you know, and, and yeah. pasta and all the things. I don't but, know anyone that runs to the fridge and says, let me grab a carrot <laughs> stick.
0: <It's laughs> <laughs> like no, we're going straight for the chocolate, the wine, the pizza, the you know yeah. pastries.
1: <laughs> exactly. So that can be an indication. Um, sometimes people, when they're stressed, they'll eat too too little, and so you, your appetite might wane a little bit if you're if you're under a lot of stress. Um, and then digestive issues is another big one too. So a lot of people will experience. Um, just bloating, some stomach pain, um, changes to digestion, um, IBS sometimes too as well, and people that have like Crohn's and um, ulcerative colitis and those sort of things, will they will massively flare typically when they are under more stress.
0: Yeah, that's one that uh, I think a lot of people don't realize is directly linked to their stress levels. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I had a sort of a related issue when I was in university and. My naturopath said that one of the things that is happening in your body is that your cortisol levels are trying so hard to manage your stress response and to bring your stress back to a normal level that it's actually diverting cortisol from your gut mm-hmm. into reducing that stress. Mm-hmm. So then all of a sudden people think, oh, why am I constipated or going to the bathroom more or you know whatever it is? And it's like, because your body can't even regulate its own digestion because it's so busy focused on bringing that stress level down. And from a chemical perspective of what's happening inside, it's just mind blowing to me because you can see how that would have a flow on effect into all of these diseases that are coming out of nowhere all of a sudden or people getting, you know, cancer at very young ages and things like that. And it's like, if you look at their lifestyle, are they sleeping enough? Are they eating healthy? Are they over drinking? Are they stressed up to their eyeballs and never getting, you know, enough rest and recharging? So it's, you can tell how it's all linked for sure.
1: Yeah. The whole digestive process actually gets shut off when we're in that fight or flight and, and it's intentional so that, you know, so that we can fight flight or f- flee, you know, and if mm. there's a tiger or whatever, you know, some sort of massive stressor, you know, the body's designed to be able to you know, fight, flight, or flee and do whatever it needs to do to get away from that stressor. And and so the the blood flow and everything and all the resources are diverted to, you know, to your limbs and away from those crucial areas so that you can move quickly without hesitation and get out of there if you need to. Yeah, But that's often why, you know, so... I've seen that with a lot of clients and I've seen it in my own life too. But, you know, if you, if you woof down, you know, like a meal, like you're running out the door and you're like just scarving something down and, um, and it's something that you eat regularly you know y- your digestion can be completely different you'll notice mm. like it's grouchy you know it is you'll experience you know um I feel like some you're in your and, stomach yeah, or it just, yeah it's a totally different response because it's kind of gross but it, it you know it shuts down the digestion so your food is just sitting there not processing and and fermenting as opposed to you know just allowing yourself that space to just sit there for 10 15 minutes and mindfully eat you know and yeah. enjoy enjoy the food and and the flavors and all your senses and that sort of thing too so it's really interesting how the body is just intelligently designed to you know to to be able to handle these things and stress in itself i mean we're designed to be able to um, combat stressors. It's just we've, I feel like we've, in the last few decades, you know, things have just kind of uh, sped up at like warp speed where there's just constant stimulus. You know, there's all, it's always on. There's always something else. There's always somebody coming at you. And it's, I joke all the time that I'm like, can't we go back to the 90s? Like the 90s were awesome. Yeah. You know, no, when, no 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 phones
0: with cameras or screens. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Like you had Nokia. a phone, but it was Nokia. so expensive. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Especially <laughs> early nineties. It was so expensive. You like you weren't using that bad boy very often. So yeah. um, you know, it's just but it was wonderful to be able to like actually unplug, you know, and, mm-hmm. and do the things without you know, work, being able to get in touch with you on your, on your cell phone and on vacation and every, every different Sitting way at too. dinner
0: and you look at a dinner mm-hmm. table, if you're at a restaurant and half of them are on their phone, the whole dinner, it's like, why are you even sitting together?
1: Yeah. But I think that's a huge part of the rise in the burnout epidemic is, Mm -hmm. you know, is this constant stimulation all the time. And the body really hasn't evolved to be able to keep up with that so quickly. And all this multi, you know, tasking and and task switching and all of that stuff, it just creates a huge stress response in the body. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So do you have any tips or
0: sort of non-negotiable things that you practice yourself to prevent burnout or that you work with clients that they can implement on a daily basis just to, you know, some, some quick takeaways.
1: Yeah. So, um, for me, I try, try to have mindful mornings and that's something I share with clients a lot too. You know, like we were talking about, there's a, there's a big difference between like hitting the ground running, you know, and just, the rest of the day is crazy, right? You know, it's it's just nuts. You feel like you're just treading water. You're trying to keep up. Like your stress response is massively elevated and, and little stressors are like massive stressors versus the days that... That you can just pause. And so, um, if you can just have some time in the morning to just pause before before you hit the grind, and it doesn't have to be like, oh, I'm getting up at four o'clock in the morning and I'm gonna do yoga for an hour, and then I'm going to listen to podcasts for an hour, and then whatever. Like, you know, that's great if you have that kind of time and leisure, but it can literally be like. 20 minutes, 30 minutes, you know, just to um, to not check the news first thing, you know, in social media and all that stuff, but to choose in- intentionally to fill your cup with things that inspire you and, uh, and bring you joy. So maybe that's reading something inspiring, listening to something inspiring. It could be getting in a little movement, getting in um, some creativity. You know, that's a great time to just be strategic with your day of l- assessing like, okay, what are my top three priorities for the day that I really want to accomplish, you know, and, um, and how can I make that happen? Um, and versus, you know, just immediately waking up in your pajamas, going right to the laptop, opening it Mm -hmm. up and then not showering the rest of the day, you know, like, and and the, the struggle's been real for, um, billions of people in the middle of the pandemic, you know, that that's often the story. So that's a big one for me. Um, I try to get some form of movement in daily. Again, you know, all movement is beneficial to the body. So. You don't have to be doing CrossFit and running marathons every day. You know, it's it's figuring out how you enjoy moving. And so, if you like to dance, like you were talking about, like that could be going to a dance class. It could be doing dance cardio online. You know, there's free stuff all over. Lots of different apps that are free. YouTube. Um, it could be Pilates and Bar. It could be just walking, getting in a good walk. But it. Every form of movement is incredibly beneficial to the body. And walking is actually one of the quickest ways to regulate your nervous system too. So it works very quickly within a couple minutes to switch off that fight or flight system and switch the body back into the, the rest or digest system. So that's mm. another one That's for great me. to know. And then um, I had another client that in the middle of the pandemic really started putting um, their phone away in the evenings And I was like, you know what, that's a good idea because I was starting to get to a point where I was feeling like, gosh, you know, I'm on so many different platforms and they're hard to keep up with. And, you know, as an entrepreneur and that can be stressful at times. And like, you know, of course, I'm, uh, you know, a work in progress like everyone else, you know, I don't get everything 100% right, but I try to practice what I preach. So, you know, when they started doing that, I was like, I'm going to do that too. And it was so refreshing. And so I started out um, just putting my phone away. 30 minutes before bed and just gradually started bumping that back to Mm. where now, I mean, literally after dinner, like it's away from me and it's so... Amazing, and the cool thing about phones—I mean, we're all addicted to them, right? And they're designed—we all know they're designed yeah. to be, be addicted, Additive, totally. Yeah. <laughs> and if you probably watched, everybody's
0: biggest addiction now. Yeah.
1: If you've watched the social dilemma and things like that, yeah. you know, I mean, you'll you you'll see that even people that invented these things are addicted to them too. So they're very powerful, um, and they give you that dopamine hit every time you're you know you're scrolling, much like playing slot machines and that sort of thing too. And so. But the cool thing about that is they're very much out of sight, out of mind. So if you can't see your device, the temptation to, you know, want to check and scroll is pretty much virtually zero. So it, whether that's across the room or it's in another room or I found too with clients, you know, if they if it's in um do not disturb mode or even airplane mode and same with me. You know that you know it's in it's in that mode until you choose to turn it back on. And so that mm-hmm. again the temptation to check and check and check and check. Um it's not there and it's so yeah. freeing. It's really freeing to not feel like you're a slave to your devices all day long. Yeah. Yep.
0: I love that. I heard a lady speak, I can't remember her name, heard a lady speak at a mastermind, um, you know, wrap up day last year. And she was talking about how to manage your phone addiction. And one of the things she said was turn off notifications on everything except phone calls mm-hmm. so that you don't even have the little bubble in the corner. So like the oh. messages, if you want to go into your messages, you're physically going in and checking And if you're going into Instagram, you're physically going in and checking, but you're not Mm -hmm. getting any any pop-ups and even the little red dot in the corner, like having all of that off. And then the one thing that she, the other thing that she said was not having work emails on your phone. Mm -hmm. And this one is a really hard thing for people to do. But what she said is that a lot of the time we will instantly have an emotional response. If we get an email that is triggering, that was offsetting, uh, mm-hmm. off-putting, or that if somebody's, you know, a client is declining our services or something like that, it will immediately affect our mood outside of those working hours. And then we're not being present with our family, with our loved ones or doing whatever else, you know, it is, if it pops up on your Apple watch while you're in the middle of a fitness class, all of a sudden it changes the mood of your fitness class. Right. Yeah. And it's allowing it's the, those boundary settings as we come back to, but like allowing that into our mental orb or whatever Mm -hmm. you want to call it. Um, whenever it's on their schedule, as opposed to ours.
1: Yeah. I love that. That's a really great tip too. Um, in in my last job, I was adamant that I was not going to have, um, work emails on my phone or Slack. And I got a lot of push, I mean, major pushback for that. And I was like, you know what? I'm not, that's my non-negotiable. And, Mm. and, um, they eventually gave up on that, but it was it was really freeing to not feel totally feel like I was you know slave to that all the time. But we do have a choice, and we can yeah. we can um, set those little buffers, you know, um, in in a way that feels right for us. So not everybody needs to maybe. Take everything off their phone, but I could just be putting it away. And it's so fascinating too—the studies recently that are showing, like, as far as connection, you know, and other people, that the mere presence of another phone in, like, if we were sitting across each other right now in person, and I had my phone right in front of you, the the fact that I had my phone where you could see it would um, completely diminish the quality of our connection. You would totally. feel you would totally. feel not as seen and heard, and so.
0: Especially if it lights up, (laughs) you know, like if it's not on do not disturb and you do have a message pop up on your screen, it immediately makes you feel like, oh, that person needs to respond to that. And that's more important than what we're doing right now.
1: Yeah. So it's just something to keep in mind with that connection with fam when you're spending time with your family and all of that stuff too, that you know, of one more reason to kind of just put it away, put it across the room or whatever. I also sleep with it um across the room too. And sometimes outside I'll sometimes I'll plug it in the bathroom too, that's off mm. off our bedroom. Just because the temptation for for me and, and so many people is to like check it in the middle of the night, check it first thing in the morning, you know, mm-hmm. and Um, and it's, that's putting a physical barrier between that. If it's completely across the room, you can't roll over and just start looking at it at three o'clock in the morning when you're when you're not sleeping which further makes you not be able to sleep because it's suppressing your melatonin and all the things so
0: yeah and and we never go into our phone for 10 seconds we go in for one thing and it's like when you walk to the kitchen you know you walk to the kitchen and you are going for a glass of water but then you see oh you got to put that dirty cup in the dishwasher and you got to do this and you got to do that and before you know it you forget why you even walked to the kitchen it's the same thing with going on yeah. the phone right it's like oh, I just need to set my alarm. But then you see there's a message from Bob about the meeting tomorrow. And then you see there's a Slack Mm -hmm. note from Sally about something that she forgot to mention in another client session or somebody that called for you or blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden your brain goes into that mode at midnight, as opposed to just checking your alarm, right? Like I, I have a physical clock in my bedroom because I just want to have a clock there if I need to yep. know what the time is so that I'm not getting distracted by tapping my phone screen to see what time it is. And then all of a sudden seeing a whole list of notifications on it. Right. Yeah.
1: It's stressful. And I think that just perpetuates that stress response where mm-hmm. we're like, oh my gosh, you know, and it's one more thing, one more thing, or then you you check and you figure out I did that today. I was like, I was, I was getting on my phone to text somebody. And then I saw these notifications and I forgot what the heck I was even doing on my exactly. phone for like five minutes. I was like, why did I even pick it up? And I was like, oh yeah, I got to text this person back. But yeah. you know, it's so distracting.
0: Yeah. Yeah yeah so on that note i mean we were talking before we hit record on the interview today because this has been so great already with so much information but i know that one of your particular specialties is also talking about sleep how sleep affects your productivity your mood preventing burnout all the things mm-hmm. um, your health obviously so we would i would love to have you back for around two where yeah. we just dive into sleep um, and and give some people you know some actual physical tips on how they can improve their sleep and the importance of sleep and all of that, because I think that that is an area that is so important for people to understand.
1: hundred percent. Yep. I would love to talk about sleep and you can add in the napping tips too, because I am not a napper. I've never been a napper, but napping is wonderful. My husband is a huge napper. He takes a nap every day at lunch. He's like a machine, but I've got to be like dead tired time. (laughs) I've got to be exhausted to take a nap. I've just never been a napper.
0: I'm a firm believer in napping. If you don't get the same quality, I I think it's like, look, especially if you're somebody that has a a job, whether it's a personal trainer or a coach or a therapist, where you've got a sort of a gap in the afternoon between your morning clients and your evening clients. I know that for me personally, I have this funny little downtime between mm-hmm. like one thirty and four. And I can either go to the gym, go for a dog walk, have a nap, clean my kitchen, take the garbage out, whatever it is. But I can usually sort of do two of those things. And if I had a terrible sleep the night before I have two meetings in the morning, I will often go for a dog walk, then have a nap or vice versa. And then I'm refreshed so that I'm showing up almost like a reset button for those evening calls yeah. with the clients or, or, you know, whatever, whatever the evening calls are. And it makes a huge difference. Cause if you just try and push through, stay awake, be productive in those three hours, but you're really actually exhausted, like you said, giving yourself that permission to like hey, I, I just need a timeout right now, even if you don't necessarily nap, maybe you just go lie on the couch and stare at the ceiling and put some classical music on for half an hour just to turn your brain off. So you're not looking at a screen or something, you know, whatever it is. I think that having that little disconnection time in the middle of the day is, is really helpful to a lot of people.
1: Definitely. Yeah. Especially if people like myself that are um, highly sensitive and more empathic, you know, so we absorb Mm. so much of the world and that sort of thing. Like you just need that, you need um, more downtime than other people and to really protect that space. Another thing we didn't touch on that's really powerful is um, getting out in nature and the studies that have come out in the last few years on that and which is called rewilding has been really incredible of how it, it almost instantly lowers your cortisol levels, your stress levels, helps improve your sleep. Um, it boosts your mental health, all kinds of things and it's really cool that, mm-hmm. that doctors globally the last few years have actually been writing prescriptions for people to get outside and be in nature mm-hmm. because it's that powerful and it's, well, it's a I great it. stress reliever. So if you're yeah. you're wrestling with um you know, too much stress and you're listening and you're, you're feeling burnt out. Like that's a great way to, to, um, to just feel more calm, centered and balanced too. And the it's The anxiety
0: antidote. Yeah. Just go outside, walk around, yeah. get fresh air.
1: Exactly. Yeah, totally.
0: That's one of the reasons why I have a dog. I find that, um, when I didn't have a dog, I really missed my morning walks to wake up my brain, get me Mm -hmm. outside fresh air first thing in the morning before getting in front of a screen, then that mid afternoon, get outside, even if it's just a bathroom break, and it's, you know, five, 10 minutes, take her out do a little loop around the neighborhood, come back in. And then once again at the evening, Mm
1: -hmm. it really
0: makes a big difference. You know, it does. I find it really does. And and if I don't have my dog for a few days or whatever, like sometimes she goes to my mom's house and has a ball over there because of the backyard and stuff. And you know, it's, it makes a difference to my routine. I feel a little bit disoriented or like unregulated. (laughs) So yeah. They're great
1: accountability partners for sure because if you don't want a a, a surprise in the house waiting for you, you you need to let them out and take them for a walk. And so it's like, oh, I could just – you know, walk them in the yard or, you know, take 10 minutes and do a quick lap, you know, around the block sort of thing. Totally. Totally. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So this has been amazing. Um, if, if people want to
0: connect with you, if they know that this is something that is a a focal point for them and if they're getting closer burnout or, or if they know that they want to prevent it, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you and learn how to work with you?
1: Yeah, I would love for listeners to connect. So you can connect on my website. It's my name, which is aprillikens.com, or on um, Instagram. The handle's different. It's lovely, And then, of course, as we talked about in the beginning, I'm all over LinkedIn, too. Um, I have a brand new free resource um, called 15 Ways to Say Goodbye to Chronic Stress, which is really geared towards just s- helping you to implement some of the things that we were talking about and more just practical ways to to lower your stress levels and find balance and increased, increase your joy, really, so you can go from striving to thriving. And, yeah. and if you're listening and you feel... You know, like you um, are struggling and exhausted and need a lifeline, um, set up a coffee chat with me. I would love to meet you and um, just chat more about where you feel stuck and maybe mm. some quick steps to help you feel more balanced. And again, you can just pop over to my website, um, which is com, or find me on social. Um, yeah. Or if anything resonated and you enjoyed our conversation, um, just say hi. It's always great to hear from listeners. So just drop, Absolutely. drop me a note love to yeah, hear from you. And
0: we'll, we'll, we'll put all of those social links on your website down in the show notes as well. So people know where to find you and just mention that you that you listened to April's interview on the make that money, honey podcast. So she knows where you came from. Yeah. But yeah, if there's anything else that you wanted to add, I think today was a really, really fantastic interview. And I'm really looking forward to also having you back on the show to talk about sleep. Uh, that's, that's one that nine out of 10 people struggle with, I think. So it'll be great to hear your advice on, on yes, how people can. yes i would love to talk about it
1: and yeah one last thought one thing that we didn't talk about but it obviously you're into biohacking with the ring um mm-hmm. and the sleep sleep device that you've got on um which you know it's a wonderful way to track your sleep. But I've recently gotten into heart rate variability. And so um, there is a company and a device that I really love. It's called HeartMath, the HeartMath Institute, where um, it's a little device that you can track your heart rate variability. And you want your heart and your breathing to be varied, but it's essentially deep breathing on steroids. So deep breathing is a free and wonderful way to very quickly, like walking, regulate your nervous system. So if you're stressed, take some deep breaths, you know, um, and that can quickly calm the nervous system. But this mm-hmm. is just taking it into a whole, like a whole different level. I mean, you can be in code red, like freak out mode to in five minutes, like total zen. It's also really awesome for sleep too. So it it just switches the nervous system back into that parasympathetic nervous system, which is that friendly rest and digest system. So if you if you guys are into biohacking, that's a cool device to check out. And and so it's something that you wear or like how yeah how you does just it do work? it when you're breathing. So um, it's a little um, piece that hooks up wirelessly to um, like your phone or iPad, yeah, and it clips to your ear. So okay, it's cool. It's just tracking it in real time your breathing. But the cool thing about that, the heart rate variability, is it's kind of like your weight set point. The more that you practice, mm. the more it resets and pushes back your nervous system. So your mm. your stress response actually gets better and better. You can kind of tone your stress response. So it's super cool. But yeah, you just there's all kinds of data and neat things on their website. So it's, uh, it's again, it's definitely called, have to check that out. Yeah, the HeartMath Institute, which is but that's been one of the the best devices and purchases I've I've made and. My husband's gotten um, hooked on it this past year, too, and it's been a game changer for him.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, I'll definitely have to check that out. That sounds really interesting. Yeah. So thank you so much. And we look forward to having you back on the Make That Money Honey podcast for your sleep advice. Sounds
1: good. Thank you, Sandra. I appreciate it.
0: Thanks for listening. And if you love this episode, please share it to your Instagram story and tag me at sandra.m.jo. I would be forever grateful if you left me a five-star review and sent it to a friend so that I can reach as many people as possible. For more information on my financial coaching and how we can work together, check out my website at sandrajoe.com. And until next time, have a great day and go make that money, honey.